This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Which one of these two statements causes you the most heartache or the most stress? Number one, there is no God. Or number two, there is no money in the bank. Honest, which one causes you the most tension? Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hey there, welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. In this episode, we hear the rest of Pastor Jeff's message about money, wealth, and who really owns everything. Jesus wasn't afraid to address this topic, and neither should you or I. This is just one of our messages in our series called Broke, which you can find on all major podcast apps. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines. Let's join Pastor Jeff as he finishes this message from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me ask this question. To whom does everything belong? Let me give you a little help. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Well, that pretty much sums it up right there. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So he even owns you. Why does he want us to know this? There's a major difference between the two attitudes that exist in our world and probably in this room. There's the one attitude that says, all that I have because I have managed to accumulate it with my wisdom and my clever business acumen and my ability in my own two hands. All that I have belongs to me. It's mine to do with as I please. And the other attitude that says, no, everything originates from God. I'm able to work because God gave me this brain. God gave me this clever business acumen. God gave me everything. So everything that I have is entrusted to me by God, because he owns everything, and I'm going to be held accountable for the way I use it. After I was here for about six weeks, Dane Johnson, now I know I give Dane a hard time about his golf game. The reality is, I really love that guy. Anybody who knows him really loves him, uh, most of the time. And uh, after about six weeks, uh, I was out in the parking lot, it was on a Saturday night, and uh, Dane kind of grabbed me by the arm, and I knew this wasn't one of those times he was joking, because you know, if you're around him anytime, he can get pretty serious pretty quickly. And he looked me in the eye. And this was, you know, this was, like I said, I'd been here for about six weeks, I think maybe a little longer. And there was a good sense around the place. And I think Dane, because he loves this place and he, he feels, he's almost like the anchor, the grandfather that wants to make things, make sure things go well, make sure things go right. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Jeff, I'll follow you anywhere you lead. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I'm on your team. I'll do whatever you ask as long as you never forget who you ain't. You ain't God. And whatever God does, he's the origin of the source. He's just using you as his instrument. And as long as you never forget that, I'll be right here. Well, I want to apply that message because Dane Johnson is exactly right. This money that you have in your pocket and in your life, it's not yours. It's God's. You're just using it because he's entrusted it to you. 
and you and I are going to be held accountable for the way we use it. That's temptation number one, that we'll become so arrogant and we'll think it belongs to us, we do with it what we want, and nothing originates from God. Here's the second thing. All these blessings, we'll start to look around and we'll think, man, it's all for me. It's for my use. Mine, mine, mine. It's like one of my favorite cartoons that I gave to Don Frazier, our children's pastor, of a little girl who's seated at a news desk, and the anchorman says, have you ever wondered why the world was created? We'll be back after this. A two-year-old will tell us it's all for her. And some of us never grow up mentally from a two-year-old. We still think that everything we have originates from us. It's all mine, mine, mine. God says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In other words, it's not yours. It all comes from God, so he expects you to do two things, to share it and to be generous with it. And the reality is when Jesus walked the earth, he said this time and time again, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. We preachers have a way of saying it. We say, to whom much is given, much is required. So now listen, as I get near the end. Okay, God, I grew up in America. This is my home. You have richly blessed me with more than I need. I know you're not after guilt. You're just after acknowledgement. Yes, Lord, I know you have blessed me with more than I need. And yes, Lord, I know that everything ultimately comes from you and you're entrusting me with it and I'm going to be held accountable. So God, what is it that you want me to do? It's the third point. Do good with the things I have given you then. Do good with the things I've given you. First Timothy 6 again, verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now I want you to notice something. He doesn't say command them to do good. Sorry. <laughs> he does say, command them to do good. What he doesn't say, it's the fourth time. What he doesn't say, he doesn't command them to be good. No, he says do good. Now, be good is something he says throughout the rest of the New Testament. But here he says, I want them to do good. Now, this is not average good, folks. This is rich people good in a way that only rich people can do. So he's expecting more from us, the rich people, than average good, than helping a little old lady across the street, or giving a homeless person our loose change, or mowing the neighbor's lawn, or giving your old clothes to the Salvation Army. That's all good, but that's poor people good. He says, I want you to be rich in good deeds, to be extravagant in doing good, to be reckless at doing good, to leverage the extra God has blessed you with, because it all comes from him, for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the sake of the world in a way that only rich people can do. Why? Because rich people have extra time and extra money. They don't feel like they have extra time and extra money, but they really do. They've just lost sight of what's important. Only 8% of the world can take Saturday and Sunday off. 92% of the world live from day to day. Over $1 billion on $1 or less a day. The poor people, it's unfathomable to them that we would get paid for not working on Saturday or Sunday. Or we get paid, rather, for not working and taking a vacation or a holiday. In their minds, that's for the rich only, and we are the rich. In fact, pay attention to this statement. Memorize it. The less extra time a person has the more percentage of that time they give to serving other people. Did you know that? The less extra time a person has, the more percentage of that time they give to serving other people. In other words, the more wealth you accumulate, the less you're willing to serve. And you know why that's true? Because us, we, you and me, and I'm guilty too, 
I'm the chief of all sinners. You and I have other options that compete with doing good, being rich in good deeds. For instance, we can afford to go to Dodger games and have Dodger dogs. Or if we're good people, we go to Angels games and have Angels dogs. <laughs> because we can afford those things. I just lost half my audience. But the other half really loves me right now. Rich people can use airline points to travel. We can go to our beach house or our second home or our getaway up in the mountains. We can drive over to Las Vegas and gamble. We can go to Palm Springs and play golf, guilty as charged. We can go to the beach. Rich people have so much extra time, but the problem is when they have that extra time, they think about how they can use it and fill it with personal stuff. God says the problem is our thinking, your thinking, my thinking, it's all wrong. We say, how can we fill up our extra time with that which would bring us individual personal pleasure or enjoyment or pleasurable satisfaction? God says, you have extra time because I want you to ask yourself the question, how is it that I can leverage my time and resources to go about doing good deeds in a way that only rich people can do them? Now, you think about this. Tell me if I'm not, uh, well, tell me, well, never mind, just listen. You go to a movie. Man, going to a movie is expensive in, in, uh, in, on the West Coast. Wow. You, I mean, if you take my family to the movie, I'm out 40 to 50 bucks. And then if you get the meal deal, which is a big fat lie, there's no deal in two large Cokes and a popcorn for 16 bucks. I mean, I mean I'm telling you, that meal deal, I mean, I'm looking for the holster and a bandana. Stick them up. That's what I'm looking for. But we go to the movie and we pay that. And they know we'll pay it because they know we want it. And this is America. We get and we're entitled to whatever we want. And we'll walk out of that movie and we'll say, you know, that was all right. No, I probably wouldn't go to it again. My friends told me it was good. It wasn't that great. Or we'll go out to a restaurant and we'll pay good money, 50 to 100 bucks for our family. And we'll say, you know, food was all right. It wasn't that great. I might come back. Probably not. Or we'll take a uh, a road trip and spend the whole day of our extra time and money just seeing some sight and think, yeah, that was all right. Wasn't that great? We'll go to a hotel. Kids loved it. You know, it was pretty good, but I probably wouldn't do that again. And sometimes we'll even say, what a total waste of time. Well, here's what I want to promise you. But you spend half a day serving somebody else and you take a short-term mission trip to Zimbabwe, Africa, and you build a church, you build a school, you dig a well, and you see those little African boys and girls look up at you in gratitude. Now they're going to be able to live. Or you go help a single mom rebuild her home. And you watch her kids right here in the San Gabriel Valley look up and smile at you and thank you in gratitude. Here's what I'll promise you. You will never come home and say that was a total waste of time. And you will tell your story thousands of times. Clarissa Winslow, who works with our decision counselors. Now, she's just a big ball of fire. I got to tell you, she, I've actually seen her place her hands on people's faces to point them toward you. She's just so aggressive. She wants to do everything right. Two Saturdays ago when we had 32 people baptized in that first service, she was only on that Saturday night for the schedule. She came back Sunday. She spent the whole day there. She came back last week. She spent the whole day there. Is it because she didn't have anything better to do? Yes, it is. It is, because there's nothing better than serving others. And when God is moving, you want to be around it, man. You want to be part of it. And the reality is, listen, if you hear nothing else in my entire ministry, most of us have lost our ability to feel God because we've lost our willingness to serve others. 
If you want to really feel the presence of God in your life, then extend your hand to somebody else. It's so easy. It's so easy to get sucked into this cultural vortex where everything's about me, 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 and God says, stop, stop, be rich in good deeds. That's why I've entrusted you with all this time and resource. Command them, he says, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in other words, in the same way rich people have competing options for their time, they also have competing options for their money. Tell me it's not true for us rich people. There's always something to buy. And now the internet makes it even that easy to just boom, gone. Ten bucks here, ten bucks there. It's all gone. And the reality now, statistics show this. The more a person has, the less they give, percentage-wise and sometimes even dollar-wise. Because think for a moment. If I only make $10 and God asks me for one, that's not so hard. Here you go. If I make 100 and God asks me for 10, oh, that's not so hard. Here's 10. If I make 1,000 and I ask for 100, well, okay. But if I make 10,000 and if I make 100,000 and God asks for 10,000, $10,000 will buy a lot of other stuff for me. It's harder. There was a guy I went to his preacher and said, preacher, I got to tell you, man, when I, when I made $10,000 a year, I tithe and I tithe regularly. It's something I did. But I, preacher, I make $100,000 a year now. That's $10,000 that could go to other stuff. I, I, I need help. Can you help me? And the preacher said, sure, let's pray together. We'll pray for a demotion. <laughs> let's pray that you make less so you can tithe again. When I hear rich people say, that's us, that's you, that's me, when I hear them say, I can't afford to give to God and his purposes, three things go through my mind. Number one, you're still not convinced from where everything comes. You're not convinced. You think you still own it. It's yours. It's yours. You've not been entrusted with it. You're still not convinced that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Number two, you still don't get the 90-10 concept that God owns absolutely everything but he still says to you, I tell you what, you take 90, I only want 10. You think about it, it, also, it belongs to him anyway. All right, but you, you go ahead, do what you want with the 90 in reason, just give me the 10. Or that you're leaning toward riches rather than God. Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God. The reality is, the, here's the problem with us, it's just our problem. The more we make, the more we depend on our money for our security and hope. When you're poor, you can depend on nothing but God. That's why I think the revivals are happening throughout Africa and South America and other places. They're already depending on something outside. Of, for, for us, the more we make, the more we depend on it for our hope and security. Let me give you an example. Which one of these two statements causes you the most heartache? Number one, or the most stress. Number one, there is no God. Or number two, there is no money in the bank. Honest, which one causes you the most tension? See, if you're leaning towards your money and you hear there's no God, you'll say, really? Oh, that's too bad, but I'm good. I got money in the bank. But if your hope is in God, then your hope is not in money. And when you hear of a great, great opportunity to make a difference with those monies that God has entrusted you with, do you find that your heart says, yeah, this is good. This is something I ought to do. Then you get your checkbook out. You start to write the check, and then you're just gripped with fear and timidity as you think, oh, but wait a minute. What's going to happen to me? Well, what about me? 
But if you're leaning toward God, you're trusting him to take care of you, which is why poor people tend to give a higher percentage because they're already used to trusting God from day to day. What's a little more? God says, do not allow your increase in income to ramp up your lifestyle. The more you have, the more you want. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. Now quickly, Jeff, what is all this about? I got to go fast, as if I want going fast already. What do you want, Jeff? Well, it's not what I want. It's what God wants. I just want you to think a minute. First of all, think of the good we could do in the world, man. Together as a church like this, think of what we could do. If we all had equal sacrifice, not equal giving, because each of us has been blessed in a different way, in a different measure. But what if we all made the same sacrifice? What is that? God says, you take the 90, just give me back to 10. That's just the beginning. But think about what we could do, folks. In southern India right now, due to severe rains, a group of committed Christians lost their church building. Mudslides destroyed everything. Devastating effects. Because the church was also a school, so they lost their school. They lost a place for the widows to be able to come and together. They lost a place for orphans together and learn from the Bible. I want to tell you, they have a brand new building. Now, folks, there's nothing greater in my mind than knowing that you did something like that. But the, goal, the goals are greater there. There's still 97 widows waiting in line who need a home. There's a children's village for the mentally, physically handicapped that's in planning stages. And you know what? Here's the reality. If we did what God asked us to do, I would never have to stand and ever ask you for money. Never. Because if we have so many resources here that if all of us understood equal sacrifice, not equal giving, that we give according to how God has blessed us and we did that, then as soon as a need came like that, I would just say, okay, write the check. It'll be out Monday. I'll tell our people about it this weekend. Ajay Law called me and he said, a brother Jeff, you know Ajay, I have a burden. I'm speaking at a gathering of over 130,000 people in the state of uh, Chattigarh at Mudku Island. I'm expecting 10 to 15,000 decisions. I'd like to give each one of them a Bible in their own language because we want discipleship to begin right there at the evangelistic outreach. I need $10,000. If we were all giving equally, I would never have to ask for a special offering. All I do is write the check and tell Ajay it's in the mail tomorrow because we've been blessed with so many resources. So much God has given to us, entrusted to us. We have a guy right now in Zimbabwe on the ground that's checking about these schools and digging the wells and beefing up the hospitals who are facing the cholera epidemic. There are preachers who have lost everything and cannot even afford to feed their own families. What if we got behind these guys and we changed the country of Zimbabwe? Now listen, you don't seriously think that we're not doing any ministry yet and we're just waiting for the vision week before we start it? That's not in your mind, right? Because over 1,700 people in our church have signed up on this database. They are going out in our community. We're already making a difference in India. We're already making a difference in Zimbabwe. We're already making a difference in the San Gabriel Valley. I went to the movie two nights ago. Yes, I spent the $40 and I did get the popcorn and the coke. Because I'm just like you. I'm no different. Now, now do you understand? It's not a sermon where I'm saying, why can't you change? I'm saying, Lord, help us change. We're in trouble. We've got to change. I've got to change. You've got to change. It's fundamental to a follower of Jesus. And I go up to the window and I order the movie tickets. This is in the same week I'm preaching the sermon. <laughs> you see how hard this is? Hey, I'm not saying it's easy. I go up to the window and, and she said, I know you. You're the pastor. I said, this could be good. This could be bad. 
I said, uh, yes, I am. She goes, you guys are rebuilding my auntie's house. Thank you. You think God was trying to send me a message before I bought the tickets? Do you think I walked away and went home and didn't watch the movie? No, I bought the tickets, I watched the movie, and I bought the popcorn. It's so hard. We get sucked into this cultural vortex. It's all about me and what I want. But what could happen, man? What could happen is amazing. Jeff, what do you want? Here's all, here's, well, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what I want. It matters what God is speaking to your heart of what we could do around here. Because let me tell you, when you tell me you can't give to God and his work, you're, I'm sorry, you're missing it. You're missing. Let me, let me give you a few examples, just quickly. If you cut back one latte a week, that's $182 a year you could give to the kingdom. If you cut back two a week, $364 a year. Now, I don't want to tell you how many I have a week. It's embarrassing, but I've done the figures, and I know what God's calling me to give up. Not ordering pop out when you go out to eat. I'm not even saying don't eat out anymore. I'm just saying if you don't order pop and drink water, it's $130 per person a year on the average. The Vines family could give $520 more a year just by drinking water when we go out to eat. My son is in this audience. He goes, oh, man, there goes my Coke. Oh. If you cut out premium movie channels, oh, there's a real need. $360 a year. And if our whole church did it, $720,000 a year to missions. If you ate out one less time a month, that would be $900 a year on the average. That's $1.8 million a year by the whole church if we just stopped eating out one less time a month and gave the money to the kingdom of God. If you give up popcorn at the movies, okay, say you still go to the movies, but you don't eat the popcorn anymore. $240 a year based on one movie a month. $480,000 for the whole church. You see, what I'm asking is not for you to sell your homes, mortgage them, give the money to the church. I'm not going to do that. That's just crazy. But I'm asking you to think about the luxuries in your life. That you say you can't give to God, but I see you eating out three or four times a week, having coffee afterwards when you could have it at home. I'm talking about the little sacrifices that we rich people could make that makes a huge difference in the world. So here's what I want you to do. You got a little post-it note. I want you to write down, right now, I want you to write down on that post-it note some things that you could give up in your life. It doesn't, listen, maybe you don't need to give up all Starbucks for the rest of your life. Maybe you could just give up one or two coffees a day. Or maybe you could stop drinking the $3.95 Latte Grande and just have a cup of coffee with some half and half in it. You see what I'm saying here? It's not that you'll be surprised at how much we spend on things that just don't matter and they're nowhere near needs. They're just extravagant, extravagant luxuries that the rest of the world could not ever fathom. I tried to do the bottled water thing, but I, I tell you, it's just it's insurmountable. I can't figure it up. It's too much. If we just drink, drunk, drink whatever, tap water. <laughs> Write it down. We're going to sing this first song, and while we're singing it, 
I want you to walk over and I want you to post those notes over the blessing notes. Write down what you're willing. Write down what, and it doesn't have to, hey, listen, it doesn't have to be a contract between you and God. I just want to get you started thinking. Just write it down, and as we're singing this song, go ahead and stand up. As we're singing, I want you to walk over and post it on those walls what God has said to you this morning. Stand together. Let's walk over. Post it together as we sing. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.